an unbeatable spirit. You know, not everyone has one of those, but if you can find someone who does, I suggest you befriend them, snuggle up to them, because the good news is that unbeatable spirit is catchy. Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. I can definitely say that I am rich. I do not have a bank account that reflects it monetarily, necessarily, but I'm expecting that to come too. I am so rich in friendships and experiences and people that I, I even more than just friendships that I have full on in my corner. And this person that I have here with me today is one of those people, but I know her by her unbeatable spirit. She is someone that I'm drawn to for those reasons. I think that I possess some of that um, character in me that is relentless and doesn't give up. And I hope that because I expose myself to her and the beauty of who she is, that the unbeatable spirit that she has uh, leaks off and saturates me in some way. But she is really the real deal. And that's what I refer to her as Lori Fry, I don't know AKA I... the real deal. Did you hear that little funky thing that tells us this meeting's being recorded? I did. This is very exciting. It's very Going exciting. I'm a little bit annoyed at her though, because she was not around always. Um, <laughs> I used to have to depend on my guests to tell me, and I've gotten used to that sort of um, security blanket and then now she's talking, she's talking to me and she's telling me it's recording. So she's not as busy because, you know, some people are out and not just sitting in front of their computers all day long <laughs> doing Zoom calls. <laughs> uh, Lori Fry, I have with me today, my people, I just got done telling her, I said, you're the real deal. This gal is uh, in it. She is in show business and she's in a lot of other things, but she and I became friends more than a decade ago. I mean, we've known each other, but I think there was a little, yeah, no, it was around the time closer I lost. To, closer to two decades. Closer to two decades. Thank you. The whole calendar just started flipping like a fan <laughs> when you said that. Um, but Lori, tell us what you do, because I think what you do being on my end of the entertainment realm is fascinating. And it also seems just huge and powerful in any kind of way, shape or form. So what do you do? I am a producer general manager for live entertainment. So that is my core of my career. So what that means is depending on the show, I am the conduit between the producers who give the money and the creatives who come up with the show and all everything in between. So if we're touring, I make sure we have the crew that we need, make sure that the venue deals are right, make sure that, you know, the profit is right. Everything's running smoothly, top to bottom uh, advertising, like the whole thing runs through my office, which is me. And then, you know, back to wherever it needs to go. So basically um, I've always thought of myself as a, I look 360. I can see the whole picture from wherever I'm standing of what's going to happen, needs to happen, should happen, those kind of things. So, and I've been blessed in the last decade 
um, to be able to produce as well. So I guess my first one was almost 20 years ago with VeggieTales Live. So I was the executive producer. So that meant I, you know, really held the reins on that on a creative standpoint with um, the creators of VeggieTales. Uh, so I've done that more often, producing my own show. And But general management, like I love counting money. I love, you know, reconciling and seeing what we made, hopefully, and what the producers made. And I love working with everybody on the uh, creative, you know, the creative side, which is great. And then everybody in between just, you know, it's a people relationship thing while you're using your admin skills. So, so it kind of does, I know, you know, um, you are creative as what well. you have that, the creative side of you. And then you have, like you said, the administrative organizational side of you. So these are things are firing off both of them. Really you're spinning on both sides, right? Yeah. I don't know that I'm as creative as some people think I am. I surround myself with creatives so I can see it and visualize it. I have my master's in theater directing, um, but I was very specific. So I can tell you a funny story about that. When I was working on my thesis in grad school, I was very specific as to what I wanted to do. The show was Tea and Sympathy. And uh, the designer in my thesis project actually said it was the worst show she ever had to work on because I was so specific and I gave her no creative control. So the following year, she wasn't done. She still had school after I graduated. My mentor gave her no direction whatsoever, like literally wouldn't tell her anything. And she came back and apologized and said, I am so sorry. I was so thankful that you knew what you wanted to give me some direction because on my own, it was not good. Oh like, my oh, goodness. There you have it. So I will tell you that um, I love to please and <laughs> I would love to be directed by you because oh. I, 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 and I think, and I think I'm like one of the, if I do, if I holler out for myself, I think one of my strongest gifts is taking direction and hearing what is said. So it would be a wonderful partnership. We'll have to do something sometime. I didn't, I you know, totally. why did I not know you had your master's in, in theater directing? I don't know. Cause I, I don't usually talk about it a whole okay, lot. Possibly. Cause I, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do it. My goal was to direct in a real original Neil Simon on Broadway. Seriously. That was it back in the day. And then I started working with actors in New York and I thought, yeah, no, I really don't. I really <laughs> <laughs> I did not have the temperament for it because I was so specific and I was like, you know what? I love you all to death, but at the same time, I was uh, really producing everything, getting into the PR and marketing and, you know, admin and how much everything cost in that 360 view that I've had since I was little really, you know, helped on the general management side and producing side. And I really enjoyed that because I still get to work with creatives, but I don't have to be in the trenches with them all the time. Right. Because y'all are kind of a handful, you little creatives. I love you yeah. to death, but no. Yeah. No, that's what cracked me up so much. I, I, I definitely, I definitely know what you're talking about. And I, and, and even though I, even though I is one, um, I also have enough of the other part of me that isn't as much like, you know, the, the, the other actors, um, that I hang with. So I kind of feel like sometimes I don't belong totally, but, I, and I could, I just connected immediately. Tell me, so what was your first, um, kind of, uh, New York, experience 
in the theater? What was your, what was your job? What were your um, I actually came, yeah, I came from the Catskills. I was doing a summer stock in the Catskills and met somebody, um, and he introduced me to uh, Beth from uh, Marvin Krauss and Associates. So they were general managers at the time doing Legs Diamond on Broadway, um, Romance, Romance, and um, then the tour of Elvis, I think. Yeah, so I was the administrative assistant receptionist for them. That was my first job in New York with $300 a week. Um, and I lived with three other people in a, an apartment that was actually pretty nice. But I was very thankful because I had friends who I had done summer stock with who let me stay with them and get situated in New York. So they really uh, helped me and I was very blessed with that. So I was with them for about four months. And then all of the shows closed at one time. Like literally just, it was like, welcome to the real world. So there was no money to pay anybody. So there was only the general managers closing out. So I was unemployed. And that was my uh, first bout with the ovarian cyst, which wasn't cancerous, which was a blessing. Um, but I came home to, to Pennsylvania, took care of that, and then went back to New York and started working for uh, Pace Theatrical at the time. So they're now Broadway across America doing the same oh. type of thing. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And how long were you doing that? Um, I was with them like two and a half years. So I was the receptionist for a short period of time. And then uh, the director of operations was leaving. So there were only four of us in the New York office. So at that time, they were had like seven markets in Florida, I think, and four, three or four in Texas, which was the main where they had started with the Beckers and uh, Miles Wilkin in New York, Scott Zeiger. And um, so they were going to need a new director of operations. So, you know, everybody in uh, that had been with the company in Florida and Houston and thought, Oh, well, he'll just hire somebody there that's been there a while. And he said he wanted to promote me. And I was like, really? I'm like, I mean, I've, I'm the receptionist here. He said, yeah. And his question was, do you reconcile your bank account? I'm like, yes. He said to the penny. I said, yes. He said, then you can do this job, Lori. And I was like, Okay, Miles, let's go. Crazy, crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was the fourth highest position in the in the company. Oh crazy. my gosh! Yeah, silly. So, what I was, was one of your yeah. favorite experiences in that length of time that you were there? Uh, well, the, just going to all of the markets, the the amazing presenters all across the country. So at that time, we had. 23 markets. So I went from Costa Mesa to the, you know, Texas and Houston, you know, the uh, Florida markets and Columbus and Cincinnati and Louisville and St. Louis. And uh, those people are so dear and they were so great because I was pretty green. Like I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been in New York very long doing what I did, but I really loved it. And I was mentored by Rod Cates, who was an amazing boss um, and just really uh, taught me you know, those kinds of skills that I needed. And um, so I think, you know, traveling around doing that and seeing all the shows, I got to see, you know, all the shows that we presented. And um, yeah, and then had the ability to meet, they also produced David Copperfield at the time. So there were two producers. And uh, that is how I then started working with Copperfield. I moved to Ohio to work with um, the other producers. Pace was one and Magic was the other. Okay, so that's what took you to Ohio. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. And were you single yeah. at the time? I was single at the time. Yep. But you're not anymore. I am not anymore. 
Um, when did you meet your now husband? Uh, I was, I had moved to Ohio, so I was in Ohio uh, not very long, and I was turning 30. And I was going back to Pennsylvania because family wanted to see me, uh, but I was still traveling back and forth to New York quite a bit. Uh, because they had bought a booking agency and those kind of things. And I thought, you know what, I, I just want one date before I turn 30 because I'm kind of I'm loving my life. But, you know, little babies were starting to look really cute. And <laughs> babies never looked cute to me ever, um, even though my sister had a daycare. But I was like, oh, this is weird. So I was like, you know what, let me just have a date. Because um, I had gone on a couple dates in New York, but, you know, who had time, for goodness sake. So my friend from church when I grew up said she had this guy she wanted me to meet and she said, you're going to love him. He wears high top converse and has long hair and he's an artist. Now I come from a one red light town and even the closer, you know, the little towns over don't even have hardly any red lights in them. So I'm thinking long hair from Podunk, Pennsylvania is not going to be, I'm like, really? This does not sound good. <laughs> And he walked in and he had, and he was, yeah, he's an incredibly handsome man. And I thought, I don't have a chance, not a, not a chance. So I just was a hundred percent myself and was flippant and funny and silly and didn't, you know, because I didn't think I had a chance. So there were no walls. There was no superficial anything coming. Um, yeah. So we had a second date and then a third date and six months later he moved to Ohio and we dated for another, I don't know year or so got married and said hey there we are oh my goodness that's also a first for me i hadn't heard that story so tell us a little <laughs> bit about him as an artist so he um he's a graphic designer in his career senior graphic designer and but his passion and his true gifting is uh, he paints on the horizontal. So if you think of what Pollock does with spattering on the ground, mm -hmm. so his are higher because he actually uses his fingers to manipulate the paint um, and these big canvases and uh, he can add water and lights them on fire to manipulate the paint in a different way. And he actually does some really cool things with snow. But we don't talk about that much until it's on hanging on a museum wall somewhere. and then. Yeah, no, his stuff is super cool, and 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 he's super cool, and um, I mean, I haven't spent a ton, a ton of time with him, but um, and then you had a um, you had a, a child, a son. I did. He's now twenty three. So Get out! I know he just turned twenty three. Yep, he just graduated. And he is handsome and tall and <laughs> striking. He's just a presence. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about him. Andrew, is, he got his degree in comics and narrative, so he has loved drawing and telling stories since he was little. Um, so there's, we actually did a documentary about Andrew because he was on the autism spectrum. So I was diagnosed when he was four, right before, um, well, right after I had my first cancer diagnosis, actually. And um, uh, so he's just so smart and funny and caring. I remember I used to be, you know, praying for him when he was little that he would just have a heart like Jesus. And he yells at me now because he, you know, he sees a homeless person. Like his heart really is, he cares all the time. And he'll just see them and stop and give them money, stop and talk, sit next to them, wants to take care of them. Um, and anybody really that's hurting. So 
uh, got what I wanted, I guess. In that oh, caring goodness, man. Yeah. girl. But, yeah. Not, my eyes are filling up. <laughs> a, yeah, so he did not have an easy road. So we did a documentary about um, some of the challenges and everything, which were great. So I think he did that. We did that when he was like 14, 15. And for um, those that might be listening and that that's would be an interest to them, where can they find that? Uh, Andrew Doc, uh, D-O-C dot com. So it's actually free up there. And now that he's done with college, he might promote it a little more. But it was in, um, you know, the Cleveland International Film Festival here. They had some local things. And I think he was chosen for four film festivals. Cool. Yeah. Beans. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, really great to, because at that young age, he was able to work with guys that were in their mid-20s, um, you know, just getting their start in filmmaking. So it was very fun for them. And, you know, they had never met anyone like me. <laughs> to just say let's do this and let's do that and it, what started out very simple became very complex but very interesting like the story that they told is really great and uh so proud of andrew for telling his story mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh yeah so it's helped a lot of a lot of kids i think and needs to help more well you know you say you're proud of andrew for telling his story the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because <laughs> i know that mama has <laughs> Mama has a, um, a story to tell. You've um, given nod to it a little bit um, today, but uh, you had uh, a diagnosis that, that changed your life. Do you want to lead in on that now? Sure. Um, yeah, so I had just turned 40, and I was going on my uh, – well, I was going to turn 40, I think, um, and had planned to maybe do this big hoopla and – went to Peru instead on a missions trip, uh, which was great. Um, but I had a, uh, had a lump in my left breast that I had felt for a while. And because I was so busy, you know, general managing David Copperfield around the world, um, I just kept literally forgetting. And I would see the thing for the mammogram and I just kept forgetting and forgetting. And somehow two years later, um, I had missed the one year. I went and the tumor was nine by 10 centimeters which is massive. Like they say, if it's two by two centimeters, it's like, Oh, mercy me. So mine was nine by 10. So it kind of created like an L shaped. Uh, So it was, we found out it was very aggressive. So, you know, in my very typical way, I thought I would just get it done. Like, great, let's just go cut it out. It'll just be surgical. It'll be fine. You know, it's just, you know, cancer It's not going to kill me or anything. Um, But because it was so aggressive and it had moved into my lymph nodes. So I was, um, diagnosed as a stage three B. Um, so what does uh, the B mean? Uh, it's worse than a, I'm not, yeah. Okay. All I right. I'll that, level but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely into the lymph nodes. So not, uh, <laughs> not stage region. four, but shy of it. Right. Okay. Yep. So in the middle of doing all of that, I had two friends from church. One was a dear friend and the other one was more of an acquaintance. And, uh, when we would, go to the appointments or whatever we were singing and laughing and doing parodies of songs because you know I of course thinking I had it all together um, was just going to plow through it and it became very different when they said I needed to do a clinical trial they offered me a clinical trial which meant I was going to have chemotherapy first and then surgery then radiation and then chemotherapy again so it was going to take a full year and I was like what like no a year like that is crazy though I'm busy don't you know I'm busy I have things to do 
Um, so it just changed my whole life. But in, in the midst of that, I was so thankful that I had amazing friends, a great church, great families, everybody supporting me. A lot of people don't have that, and I did not take it for granted. Um, so in the middle of that, I started taking notes a lot. And radiation became, it was, you know, nine months into it. So it was really, really hard. Radiation was hard for me because I was so tired at that point. Um, but my friend Michael uh, Bernard, who you know dearly. Yes, I know and love. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, so I told him about it and said, I've been taking notes, and I think maybe there's a musical of some kind. Like, I think this story could be told because everybody would see me. And, you know, we'd be goofing off at church or whatever. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you're so funny. You should write a book. And I'm like, I don't even read books, so I'm not going to write a book. <laughs> like, oh, but I could do the musical. It would be kind of fun. So Michael came one weekend when I really needed funny haha, -ha, like it was, Michael, I need you as a friend, but Michael, I need your brain. Uh, so we co-created a musical called Unbeatable, which you have been a part of, which is yeah, fabulous. Um, By the way, and, powerful experience, if I must say so. <laughs> I've heard that before. Uh, yeah, so we put to, he mapped it out that day. He just had me tell him stories after story after story. And we literally mapped it out that day and have, uh, stayed pretty close to it. And then we brought in a writer from Cleveland, Eric Koble, um, who's hysterical. I mean, it's, you know, he's hysterical. And then we had uh, like one round with a bunch of um, composers because I thought that was a good idea. And you would think with my master's in theater, I would have known better, but a cluster of people became a cluster. It was like, ooh, this doesn't flow at all. Um, so I was like, well, great. Uh, we need to you know, drop back and we got uh, two composers out of LA, one uh, very Broadway uh, oriented pop, uh, Todd Schroeder, who's brilliant. And then um, Kevin Fisher, who's also brilliant. So he wrote a lot of country songs that so was a storyteller and their music is beautiful and it was great. So it's kind of funny that me and four men created a breast cancer musical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not? Why not? But, you know, Todd's father had passed from cancer. Michael's parents had passed from cancer um, right after, soon after we did the musical. Um, Eric's wife got breast cancer. Um, so it touched all of us. So it is not as foreign as one would think. Right. Yeah. And, and where, um, where has this production gone? What is it done? What are some of the things I know the element that I was involved in, but you want to fill us in, in a little bit? And what are you thinking about that? Because it's an amazing piece and, um, and it will have its time. What would your hope be for it? But just give us a little, a little bit of an insight into what you have done with it so far. Yeah, so we workshopped it first in Phoenix because that's where Michael's um, theater was and then uh, did it in Cleveland and then went back to, uh, then we did it in New York. We did a workshop in New York. So we had Jen Colella who was in um, Come From Away and tons of Broadway shows and she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. She is. Um, and gets me so much like her humor and like, yeah, she's Yes. Brilliant. So did it in New York with a bunch of Broadway actors who were great. Um, and then we're going to take it back to Phoenix to do the full production. But in between there, uh, Bristol Myers came to the workshop in New York and loved it so much that they hired us to go do it in LA. So we were at the Beverly Hotel, right? right. For an oncology sales uh, team. So 90, I think there were 98 of them in the room. 
coming mm-hmm. up with a new drug to you know try to combat cancer. So we did it there, and then they invite us. They loved that one so much that we did it in front of 700 oncology nurses in Philadelphia, Philadelphia. at their conference. And yes. there is, I mean, normal audiences are amazing. Like, you, you know, we've literally had a standing ovation at every time it's played. But when 700 oncology nurses are getting Ooh, every single so line, every, I mean, every laugh, every nuance of everything, it was just like so overwhelming and such a blessing and then we opened in phoenix and then it was we were heading towards off broadway was the goal i had put the deposits down we were you know raising the money then we went to houston and if you remember in 2008 there was a little hurricane that hit houston and the economy (laughs) collapsed and we said oh well guess what all the money just left houston that was going to help us get to new york um but some wonderful people there but uh pink ribbons project decided to do a uh, recording of it so we actually have a cast album from that cast. Fantastic. Yeah, so unbeatablemusical.com. And you can actually go and listen to the songs, unbeatablemusical.com. And then after that, we... that down, just a quick sec, because I'm going to add it to the notes as well when I put the podcast up. Okay, all right, I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, we did it regionally. So we did it in my small town. I let uh, somebody that I knew from growing up uh, did it locally with this uh, girl who was... I don't even know how old she was at the time, maybe 22. And that role is a beast. Like to play Tracy Boyd is the character's name. Yeah. Um, And she did great. And we did it in St. Louis and we did it in, um, Todd did it out in California and near Sacramento. Um, So that was great. And highlight there was Jason Alexander came because he's good buds with um, Todd Schroeder. So that was just a little freaky. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, like really and he was very complimentary and we had nice conversations so what a great what a great man um and then what else will be done with it so yeah i mean you know cancer events all over the place if we were right. doing a show then they would go out into the community and those types of things so um so we were very active and then andrew was growing up and i was like uh you know what it's time to kind of hit a pause button a little bit and take care of my son and make sure that everything's great with him. Um, so we've been trying on and off to see what would happen. And my goal currently uh, is to uh, get it in a movie form. So whether it's a, you know, is it Netflix, Amazon, uh, Hallmark, uh, doesn't really matter. But I think in a film, it would do really, really well because it is meant for the masses. It really, like, it's such a powerful story because of the way that they told it. Um, so that's what I'm gonna, uh, that's what I'm hoping to do now. So there are hopefully some funds coming in that I can hire a writer. So I will get a female comic kind of writer that's in the business in LA uh, or wherever they are. These so would you days. keep it like a, a, um, um, a musical as a film? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. want it. It definitely should be a musical. And it's just whether in the storyline there is the romance uh, between the husband and wife um, and uh, other things. So it's just the question now is does it become a story about the girls, you know, more so than with the relationship with the husband or does the husband relationship stay in there? So that's where, the, that's where the friction comes in. Um, yeah, and when you say the girls, just to clarify character-wise, what, what are you referring to? Uh, so she had in the show, Tracy Boyd has a best friend who you played. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's brilliant and funny and silly and a little um, 
not all together there sometimes, one would say. Um, and then she meets uh, two other women in the, in the cancer center. So there's an older, one, an older woman and then a younger girl who have uh, been diagnosed and they basically come up with the unbeatable song together. So they go through the journey together and uh, empowerment and fun. And um, yeah, so there's a pastor yeah. that's thrown in who's a dear friend. And, uh, but the songs are amazing. Like it, Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. The I, let me, let me, let me brag for a bit. I've been really good at not talking. <laughs> you um, have. I'm impressed. I'm, I could, well, I'm, I'm riveted. I'm looking at you like you're sitting across me, which I love. And I know the story, but I'm still like hanging on every word. But mm. the music um, is just so good. I remember sitting in the rehearsals in, you know, in the realm that I was involved and sitting, I mean, this is no, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not trying to uh, add to this. I would sit there and I just thought, I can't believe I get to listen to this. Mm. I just, it, first of all, being a part of it, it was so moving and thrilling. And I remember those audiences. Sometimes when we, when you'd hear a laugh that we would have known it was funny, but not in the way they knew it was funny. And when they would laugh, it sounded different, you know, because there was this connection <laughs> to it. But it was, um, so it was just a, a, a testimony all the way around. But the music, uh, just so moving and fun and, and beautiful. There's so much to this show. I can so see why uh, you would want and also give effort to it being a film because of the access to the masses but i'm sorry i interrupted you so you were saying oh i love it well and i mean it from the bottom of my heart um uh is it talk to me i mean this is really a question i've never asked you in private or or just you know one-on-one -on -one. what is it like knowing that this was something you lived through um <laughs> put into story form and being told and offered up. Like, I know, I know because you just are so good at what you do. There can be separation for you to take care of what you need to take care of, but there's gotta be some kind of very unique experience of watching it and seeing it unfold in front of you when you live through it. Yeah. I mean, that um, it's very fun. It's a little freaky for the actors because I, you know, I'm right there and um <laughs> Right. So interesting for them. But for me, it just kind of depends on what's happening with me or who is in the audience. So oftentimes there are, you know, clearly people going through the journey, you know, they got their, they don't have their hair and they're pale and you, you know, they've got the chemo eyes that I can tell. And, um, and my heart just breaks, right. Mm -hmm. That just like that makes it real again for me and makes it very difficult in a thankful way. And then, you know, because I spend time with them and look them in the eye and, you know, how are you doing and uh, those types of things. But then I can sit there and just laugh because I just remember when this was really happening. So in, when we, oh, we did a 10-year anniversary, which was crazy, just two years ago um, in New York. So we did it in an off-Broadway theater and Jen Colella came back and a lot of the Broadway people and we had casts. I think we've had seven or eight different casts and there was somebody from all of those casts represented. I know. And I had hopes that I could be there just to be there, not even to participate. Um, but we had, you know, ongoing 
trials and tribulations that we were maintaining at home. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So even in, in there, it just really uplifts people and the, the powerful stories that those that helped the people that were even in the show. So, you know, I talk about the unbeatable spirit. So, you know, do people pass away? Absolutely. We deal with that in the show. Um, but with an unbeatable spirit, there are those who just go through the journey and are so triumphant and whether it's cancer or divorce or whatever, like, so we had, you know, one actress who was dealing with anxiety in a massive way and she didn't think she could perform anymore. And this was the catalyst to let her do that. And, uh, the girl in Wellsboro, she was not even, yeah, not even 30 on mid twenties. I'm not sure how old she was diagnosed with MS. Mm. and she had played Tracy Boyd, and she was like, I can do this. I can totally do this, right? And other people, you know, other people that have been in the show have had cancer or that worked on the show that have cancer. So it just touches people in different ways, and there's, it's so much bigger than the cancer story. It literally is how are you going to live your life, and, you know, I was very uh, demanding. Like the first song is just get it done, 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 done. And, um, you know, so it's, about what are you doing with your time and how are you spending your time and how do you care for others and the relationship with the mother and so but it's funny like it's there were so many funny moments i mean i remember the when i had an allergic reaction which isn't funny um but when i had my first chemo so you know i'm all like puffed up and thinking i'm gonna be great it'll be fine and uh, like the drip i swear it was like one drip and I couldn't breathe. Like my got tingling in my toes and my fingers. And they, they tell you, they give you all of this information three times before you have the first drip of, you know, this is what to expect, blah, blah, blah. So I knew it. So then my heart just went, <gasps> and I think because of that, it elevated. Like they hit the button and all the, the nurses, everybody coming in, because I literally couldn't breathe. And my oncologist came in and sat in the corner. I love her. Like Beth Overmoyer is the most amazing oncologist in the world. So I want to go around and speak with her as well because she's brilliant. Anyway, so she's sitting in the corner. Say your name again. I just want to look her up just to look at her. Beth Overmoyer. Overmoyer. Okay. M-O-Y-E-R. Um, so she's retiring, I think, Aww. right now. But you no. Know, but hey. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because then we can do our thing more. Right. So she sat in the corner. And by then I, I kind of breathed. And I saw her and I said, well, that didn't go very well and she was like okay everybody out she's fine <laughs> i was like okay okay so i got a whole lot of ativan which became my best friend for all of those ativan drip is really great for high anxiety um but i had amazing nurses and uh, doctors and everything so I don't know. And how how did um and you don't because I know it's it's it is part currently part of the musical whether I know you mentioned you weren't sure if you're going to keep the relationship with um the husband in but how did give me some bullets about that scenario about carrying on in a relationship when you're going through something so so powerful to your health yeah. Yeah, I am Susie Sunshine most of the time. I mean, I'm a realist and I can get things done, but I am optimistic because, yes. you know, I believe in an almighty God. And, he, you know, I just say, if you're going to go through crap, you might as well go through it with a smile, right? Like it's going to come. It just depends on what you're going to do with it. 
and Don is not an optimist at all and never has been. Uh, but we, you know, worked together really well. And he did not see the humor. He did not, like, he was afraid I was going to die, um, which I wasn't. I was just like, you know what? I've got this amazing team. You know, there were a couple moments where you think, oh, this could be really hard and I wouldn't make it. But um, so we were on two different sides of what it was. And he just couldn't get over you know, because I jumped in with both feet and he didn't. So by then I had filled my circle with girlfriends and everybody else who was there for me because I needed to be championed and like, let's get this done. So it was just very hard because you, it's hard to catch up at that point. So even though he was like willing to go with me, like he's like, I want to go to chemo with you. And I'm just like, yeah, but Deb goes with me. You know, like we have our thing. I know, you know, she knows exactly what bathrooms I'm going to go to and well, I'm going to pick up garbage from the floor and I'm going to be overly animated and I'm going to be silly and all of those things. And Don is very quiet and very subdued. So it was this friction, even though, you know, his concern was love that something was going to happen, right? It was just difficult. So makes, as Michael says, great theater. Um, so little little hard definitely definitely and i won't give anything away in case people get a piece <laughs> of it somehow in some way but i mean it just um oh my goodness yeah i i i want so much for that for you but also for the folks that will that it will touch and change their lives um whether they i mean let's face it whether it's an individual battle that someone's facing with their health that is directly related to cancer or we know someone or a family member. It's just you, there really isn't anyone who this would not be right. a blessing to and a, and a gift to, to, to experience. Um, what's what, what, do, I mean, I know I, I, I guess I know why. Why did you want to make this happen? Was it was it in some part healing for you as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, I've always been a big sharer of life, and you know, because that's how you learn. You mentor people. You care for people. You share what's happening. Um, and you know, I've often spoken my point of view or thoughts when probably shouldn't have you know, growing up, you know, <laughs> I would be put in the corner when I was little in school and they would be like, Lori, go stand in the corner. And I'm like, Oh, again, Fine. you know, just, uh, so, and the musical is mainstream. It is a commercial, you know, piece for sure. But, um, then I actually did write a book about it to really get into the nitty gritty and the spiritual side of it, because there were so many things that you can't include in a, you know, 90 minute yeah. or two hour musical that were just so impactful and uh, helpful and scripture and just people uh, that surrounded me. And, you know, like we moved like during that whole year, besides it just, you know, it wasn't just cancer, like my uh, father's health was ailing and, you know, hitting dementia. My brother had to go to war. It was during the Iraq war. My son was diagnosed with, you know, autism, ADHD, anxiety, and OCD, and we were building a house. So, I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, somebody said, how could they help? And a lot of people don't know. They're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, offer anything that you're capable of doing. And I knew Susan from church and she was very organized. She's like, what can I do? And I was like, 
honestly, can you organize my home move? Because I can't. And literally, she just got this whole team of people. I didn't have to pack anything. I didn't have to unpack anything. It just, I was just, yeah, crazy. Like those kinds of stories of how people really stepped up to just care for me. I'm like one person. And I just think if people can see or hear, like I want to, you know, I would love to go on tour with you or other people that tell unbeatable stories of this was really hard, but this is how I got through it. And sharing it, I think is so important because people need to sometimes be shown. Yeah. Like you need to understand how I can help because it's so frightening. You're just like, I don't want to get in their way. I don't know what to do. Right. You know, like I have friends, two dear people in my life right now that are going through cancer, you know, so I get in my car and drive no matter how long it takes or whatever I'm doing. And you, you go and you be there, you show up, you get in the trenches with them to just know that you care. And some, it's hard for some people. Um, and some people don't want to know, like some people are very quiet about their diagnosis, but if you're not that kind of person and you need help, I would just love to be there and encourage and, you know, love on people and make them laugh and tell silly stories about, you know, what happened to me. And I, I know, um, not, not at all to be trite, but I completely believe it. And I know we hear it, that laughter is medicine and there was such humor in the piece can you weigh in from your perspective on that and how that affects you and why you, you know, cause I know you said that, that Don, your husband was challenged with some of that, but what, what about the humor was important for you both in your healing and how you live your life because you are a laugher, all the things that kind of, I'm going to, this is a side note. Um, you do share. And so do I, you are, you look on the positive side of things. So do I, and, um, and you, you do love to laugh. And I know that that's what I, I'm drawn to you because like, there's this thing that I have a connection with, but can you flesh out a little bit about the power of humor, both in the piece and then your own personal piece as in the musical piece and in your own personal life? Yeah. Personally, I've just never taken myself too seriously, right? Like I just, people that are full of themselves or, you know, people make mistakes, things are silly, you know, um, you know, I could just tell the story that, uh, and I'm kind of dopey sometimes, right? Like it was like, oh, you're so together. And I'm like, no, not really. Like we were going to go, my brother-in-law was going to go coon hunting. I was like, what is a coon exactly? Like, is it like a wolf or something? And my sister's like, no, it's a raccoon. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, and I just find that funny. Most people would be, you know, oh, I can't tell that about myself. I'm so stupid. I just didn't know, right? That's just kind of funny. I just like right. funny. So I've used that my whole life of just, you know, how do you get by and what do you laugh about and, you know, cry with somebody and laugh with them. And in the story, it's very, um, I don't know, it's it's just part of who I am. And Jen Colellis uh, nailed it yeah. as like the best Tracy ever because she's uh, started in comedy. And then, you know, went into theater right. and those types of things. So she, her comic timing is amazing. Yeah. And I would, and sometimes I don't mean to be funny, but it's funny to other people because I'm so straightforward. And so, you know, to the point or, you know, like I would tell them what they could fix. They're like, oh, you know what? This is really horrible to get from point A to point B. Like, why don't you move this or this? You know, the form you're filling out is horrible. So to me, it was just, I'm just trying to help, but to other people looking in going, who are you, right? You're just a person supposed to be going through a journey and you're like telling everybody what to do and how to do it. That's funny. 
it's just funny because it just yeah. made me happy. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, I mean, the best comic moment to me in the show is there's a song like when I had the Ativan drip, um, mm -hmm. when I woke up or, you know, part of it, I kept saying there was a little boy at the bottom of the bed. So that somehow in real life, I was supposed to take our little neighbor boy to a party or something. And I kept saying he, he was at the bottom of the bed. So, you know, it's kind of a little, little bit of hallucinating going on or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so in the show, this is where we deviate. This did not really happen, but it's Miss Chemo. So it becomes a dream sequence under, under her Ativan drip that she's in a beauty pageant. Well, you couldn't, you know, I was in a little beauty pageant when I was six years old or something. Most the ridiculous thing ever because, you know, I sat on the <laughs> little float. We talked about it and I had a dress on and I didn't wear dresses. And my mom's like, put your knees together, put your knees together. <laughs> so the fact that I would be in a beauty pageant is absurd. So Tracy Boyd is in this, you know, to become Miss Chemo. So you've got Miss Drip, Miss Chemo, Miss... Who's the other one? I forget to watch it. The other I don't one. know. I'm, I'm just remembering yeah. Thomas. But it is hysterical. Yeah. So the pastor becomes the MC, and it is just silly, Absolutely. silly, silly, and fun. And, you know, you just laugh because, yeah. Yeah. You don't feel like Miss America. You don't feel like Miss anything because you're, you're balding, but, you know, you're yeah. pretty in your own way. Yeah. No. Iconic scene in the show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, well, I. Um, I was just, it was a, you, you, of course, my guest today and my friend, and I love you, and I could listen and listen, but I'm also glad we had a chance to talk about the show, because it really was, um, not to make this about me, but it really was a pivotal thing for me, and I, I, um, uh, I remember get, uh, I, I lost um, my first husband just shortly before going to um, L.A., and I wasn't sure I needed to, I mean, I want to say it was like four or five or six days before we were supposed to go. It was like, it was like really, it was really close. And we were like, this is not good. And right. we were like, and, no. um, people that, uh, you know, um, that loved me, um, and knew that I needed to do this. Um, I was kind of, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go cause I just wasn't sure about anything. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. Um, but I, uh, had phone calls from M Michael, uh, and Vincent, the Michael that you're referring to, and, um, they're not pressuring me, but just sharing some thoughts about the show itself and the heart of the show. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it and how that might be a balm for me. And, um, I heard them immediately and then they reached out to, I believe it's how it goes. Alan Pruitt, who is a good friend of mine. And Alan Pruitt called me, and I remember uh, my brother was driving me somewhere to make an arrangement for um, my husband's um, memorial service. This is how quickly we were talking about it and how upcoming it was that we would be going to California. And, um, and Alan just said the same thing, and the way he said it, and I just felt comforted and drawn. So I agreed to not think twice and to go ahead and go. And then we got to the hotel and we had a little meeting and you walked over to me with all that you understood about your journey. Also this desire of the show that you're facing, but you walked over to me and um, assured me 
that I was, this was, this was the place for me. And, you know, when you lose someone suddenly and dramatically and tragically like that, you don't know really how to find your way. But the cast came around me like cushions um, that just protected me. But what really deeply ministered to me was uh, listening and being part of that. I'll, participating did too, but listening to the story, and it was. It was exactly what Alan and Michael and Vincent told me that it would be, that it would be a balm, a healing balm on the wound of, uh, that I had in grief. And so therefore, I carried this show with me in my own way um, for what it offered me. It has that power to it, and I just, um, I'm so glad we're getting a chance to talk about it because it is something that um, I'm confident has a future and, and that in a way that others can receive it. And no matter where they are, you know, right. I wasn't a, a woman that was facing um, a cancer diagnosis, but I was a woman that had my heart broken and my life changed. So right. the commonalities that are present throughout and how to figure out to make your way through that. Yeah. Well, your really song, the, yeah, one of the main songs in the second act is called Hold On. Mm-hmm. And it was hold on to love, hold on to, you know, uh, all those around you and God up above. And it, because it, that's Tracy's lowest moment that she's not sure that she can go on anymore. And the best friend, Allie, that you played is they're holding her saying, you can get through this. You absolutely can get through this. And I remember... <laughs> I thought I was going to lose my mind because it was so powerful to watch you holding her, holding, uh, you know, Tracy, um, and saying those words and singing those words so beautifully. And the room was just captivated, like one of the most truly truthful, like, because you can act and then you can live and you were living and acting at the same moment. And it was just brilliant on stage but just yeah yeah that right there was the um um the tender mercy of god using this situation using your story your story and the storytelling and for such a time as that um to just slowly begin to bring mending together i i and i remember it quite clearly i do remember the actress part of me was only separating, like not losing it and falling apart. I remember <laughs> right. having that, but at the same time, um, feeling like, oh man, this is for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the clarity of it. But um, yeah. yeah, because how, the, song, the song ends with like a gospel choir. Right. The sound yeah. is, a, it's a, just an uplifting, amazing song. I make sure we send people to unbeatablemusic.com so that musical. they can listen. Huh? Musical. Music. Oh, wait, musical? Awesome. Mm-hmm. I left that out. Unbeatablemusical.com. And that's where they can hear the whole piece, yes? Yeah, the songs. Not, yeah, you can't see the video because it's no, all no, been no, done. No, but yeah. hey, yep. <laughs> listening to the music is crazy. How are you today? Today I'm great. I just had a, well, last year I was diagnosed uh, with cancer again in the left breast. I'd only had a lumpectomy the first time. Uh, So I found another trace. It was early, Um, but because of radiation and 
everything that had happened uh, required a mastectomy was the best course of action. And uh, so that was last summer. So during COVID, I just kind of, you know, sat around and did nothing. But I did go to my appointment like a good girl. A lot of people were skipping their appointments. And I'm like, no way am I missing an appointment. Absolutely. Uh, so I did that. And I'm doing uh, great. Just had my mammogram last week and all good on the other side. And Awesome. Yeah. So I am blessed health-wise. I'm truly blessed. Awesome. Well, I love you, my friend. I know you know that. Um, you and, and I love you right back. I and I know, I know. You're just a you're my cheerleader and a, and just a, a great confidant. And I'm um, the only regret I have is that we live so far apart. <laughs> um, but I have uh, a handful of people right now that are walking through a similar journey, and I know you mentioned you did too. So I can't wait for them to hear this and I'm going to send them to the website so they can hear the music. I, I don't know why I hadn't considered that before, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing. I love that you are a sharer. I love it. And uh, not everyone is, but those of us who are sharers, I know that when we step up to the plate that is purposeful and that there's people that are benefiting from it and um, with, with it meeting needs or, or, or providing comfort or inspiration. So, or laughter. Um, or laughter. Um, so I can't thank you enough for gracing my podcast and don't go away. Um, I want to say goodbye to you privately, but um, Lori Fry, you are the bomb. You are the real deal. And um, I'm just blessed to call you friends. So hang on. I'm going to end our recording. And I know the audience is just going to be tickled along with me that you spent this time with us. Okay, so great girl. Great to be here. On. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Wow. There was a lot in that episode, and Lori, I just have to thank you so much for being that kind of person. Along with your unbeatable spirit comes this fearlessness, and I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for you, but it sure comes out that way for just um, the in this moment in time to share um, openly all that you are, all that you experience and how it affects you. Um, those are things that no matter the path that we walk in our lives, that we can take away and be encouraged with and by. And I thank you so much for being generous enough to share it with myself and those that are part of my podcast audience. You will be back, my love. You are, you are, you are one of those that we just need to get more of. And I thank you for the impact that you've had on my life and the blessing that you were today with all of us that had a chance to listen to you. Y'all, this podcast is just uh, a gift to me. I hope it is to you as well. Would you go and share and subscribe and uh, like and send me a comment or two? It would make my day. Thank you so much. Until next week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>